0: always exciting best time of the year best time of the year (laughs) holiday time but for us it's time for Mm -hmm. Humans of the Food Bank which is like our number one listened and engaged to um, show and uh, it's because it's all the wonderful people we work alongside and we're really excited about it Today is also an additional special edition, right? Well, you, because, just, you know, the parties keep coming. <laughs> right? It's all positive, all good vibes heading into 2023. So we've been doing this, our organization, for 40 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Pretty much the experts on that, mm-hmm. proven so. And then Thomas, who's joining us today as well, it's his 10th year leading the organization. Aww. So we're going to talk about... You know, all kinds of things with those that are our teammates, but we're going to wrap it up and have Thomas tell us about a little bit about his journey and what it's been like.
2: Yeah. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me on once again. This is esteemed podcast. This is always a (laughs) highlight.
0: Yep, yep, it certainly is. And we have our first guest we have folks coming to you every 15 minutes mm-hmm. um, is Haley and she is actually on our comms and culture team welcome to the show friend
3: thanks for having me I'm happy to be here Yeah.
0: so really quickly tell us all about you
3: Really quick. Your whole life Perfect.
0: please, just yeah, really quick. I'll yeah. I'll get
3: that. I've got that in. What 30 seconds a little bit
0: so people will get to know you. That <laughs> yeah. What.
3: Um so I am I ended up I've been in Tampa now I guess for 7 years about. Um I came here for USF and stayed for USF for my masters. From where? From Oviedo, Florida. That's where my sons live. Really? Yes. Do they go to UCF? Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, I moved over here for college and kind of fell in love with Tampa. And then my undergrad is in behavioral health care. So I started out um, wanting to be a licensed community mental health therapist, counselor. And in adult community services. Um, Then I switched to communications because it all kind of comes together Mm -hmm. under, like, how humans interact with each other. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Um, And so my master's is in professional and technical communication as well as poetry. So I've written a poetry book for my thesis for my master's degree. Wow. Um, Yes. (laughs) And um, I've been published for my poetry (gasps) multiple times. Um, How can folks find your poetry? um, You can just Google my name, (laughs) With Morton, I've been published with um, Hobart for some fiction and a couple little places for poetry. So that's amazing. I did not
0: know that. That's why I love this. We find something new every time. That's true. Yeah, but um,
3: feeding Tampa Bay was kind of like the connection of all those things for me. I mean, it's community services, but it's also communication and also. Um, The people in Tampa are really important to me. I live in Ybor, and so I see houseless people every single day outside my door. They're my, like, friends on my street. Like, I see them more often than I see my neighbors a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. And so with that as well, like, this organization just helps build capacity so much that it was just a good fit.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm interested. uh, I obviously caught the behavioral health, right? Uh, part of your background um, So I guess my first question would be Tell us a little bit about why that interested you uh, And then the second question to that would be How does that correspond to your work that you do here with us today? How do you bring that viewpoint uh, To the, the, the work you do here at the Food Bank?
3: That's a really good question Um so I originally cho- chose behavioral health care um, because I wanted to work with people. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the, the biggest reason. And also I had always been told I was emotionally intelligent. So I was like, we'll just see if this fits. <laughs> and then um, I also um, was interested in community services. So I thought that um, like working with people in the community would be a good fit as well. Um, but I also am a firm believer that everybody's reality is their own and is true um, and I think a lot of behavioral health care helps validate that um, that you can't change someone else's version of reality you can just validate it or help them recover from something that they're going through so um, it kind of aligned with what I was um, my life view already um, and so I ended up um, working for three months as an intern at Grace Point which is the Baker Act receiving facility in Tampa and um, it was like, honestly, the most amazing experience of my life um, because you have people coming up to you and saying, I see robots mm-hmm. right there. And you can't say, no, you don't. The answer is, okay, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Because there is a robot right there. Um, and I think that so much of that just applies to everyone. Um In less extreme ways like you see the world way differently than I do because of my upbringing and I think that it's just in less extreme ways for everyone Um, and so I think that I eventually learned that HR sort of internal comms was where I wanted to be because I liked to see all of the different ways that people can see things and help connect despite those differences um, and with those differences as assets as well. Um, And also a huge part of why I wanted this specific job and how I ended up here and how I ended up happy here is because JC and I talked a lot, JC's my boss, but we talked a lot about psychological safety when I got this job and how it's so important when you're in a workplace even to just feel like you're safe in order to take risks and do the kind of work that we do that takes so much risk taking in order to solve big problems. Um, And people can't feel safe and people can't feel safe to take risks if they don't feel psychologically safe with the people around them. Yeah, so, you know.
2: Define emotional intelligence.
1: <sighs> <laughs> Put her through, through her paces
2: today, How about you, know?
3: <laughs> you define <laughs> emotional no, intelligence? No, no, this is your... <laughs> this,
2: is, uh, this is your... Now, I would say probably organizationally it's something we pay attention to a lot. Mm. Yeah. Right? So we're not looking for a clinical definition. We're looking for your definition of that. I think that... We would say generally speaking the people with a higher eq here mm. are more successful yeah. than even a higher iq yeah uh but how would you define emotional intelligence you said you know you noticed that was a gift how would you mm. see that
3: i think emotional intelligence kind of boils down to being able to read a room and being able to provide empathy and i think that the really difficult part about emotional intelligence is also having boundaries within that. Um, So I think that it's a two part answer. It's like, you have to have the ability to see other people and their points of view, but you also have to have a boundary within yourself to where you recognize that that is not my point of view, that's someone else's and I'm allowed to have my point of view and they're separate. Mm. Um, And so I think that that's the basis of a lot of it. Um, and that it's okay for two things, two realities to exist at the same time.
1: Yeah, that's, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> that's really deep. <laughs> yeah, you or can just cut it, that right No, out I thing. love that. That's, <laughs> no, it's amazing. That's the kind of stuff I like to talk about.
0: <laughs> you have definitely, since you've been here, changed the, our approach and really brought a lot of peace and understanding to our team, which is so important. We talked about before we turned the mics on, is it so important on the inside to be as healthy as we possibly can, so we can achieve on the outside what we need to do? And um, you're a really big part of that. And we thank you
2: for it. Are you familiar at all with the concept of the wounded healer? And if so, what do you think about that?
3: I am not familiar with that.
2: So there's a there's a uh, there's an idea that says oftentimes people drawn to this kind of work are making their way through their own mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Research. Right. That yeah. you you end up. Um, you end up in places where you're maybe articulating your own theology, you're working through your own life path, you know, you're making your way through challenges that you've got, and the forum that often people will do that is by helping others. Yeah. Um, not suggesting that's where you are, but it just comes to mind as you think about the variety of different things you do here and the people that you run across here. Uh, you know, one of the things I think we feel very proud of is that we have a very, very diverse team.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Talk about that a little bit from a communication standpoint. How do you tell the same message to me, uh, to a person uh, uh, that uh, is maybe a a native Spanish speaker, to a person that has a very different origin or background? Uh,
3: I think that, um, unfortunately, there is no easy answer to that question. Um, and that's why it's so great that, I mean, obviously this is such a pat myself on the back, but it's great that Feeding Tampa Bay is willing to hire someone full-time for this type of position because mm-hmm. having a short-term person can solve a lot of problems, but a longer-term solution accounts for a lot of these more complex things that happen within an organization because as, since I've come here, I've tried to create, um, let me backtrack, um, we have so many different types of people, just as jobs. Um, we have a warehouse crew who may not have time to check their computers. Um, we have people on who are remote fully who I've never met, who or maybe I've met once at a um, meal, but, uh, they only read their emails, and they'll never see um, if I put a flyer up in the warehouse. Um, And we also have, like you said, native Spanish speakers. We also have people who, like, may not even be able to read, possibly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it, unfortunately, is the, the answer is you have to communicate a lot of things a lot of times, um, and build a rapport with people so that they feel comfortable to ask you questions. Um, so, some of the ways I've done that is um, we try to find ways to make sure that I am putting flyers in the drivers. Um, this is kind of the boring stuff, but <laughs> I'm putting flyers into the drivers' mailboxes so that they don't have to like take the time on their break to like check their email for org updates or Mm -hmm. um it's about making sure that like just because someone doesn't know how to do one thing doesn't mean that they don't also deserve to know the information that they're getting from Mm -hmm. one avenue um so i'll make sure to like offer a physical copy as well as it's the same thing as like accommodations for disabilities Mm. you're just accommodating people on like all different types of levels. Um,
2: Meeting people where they are. Yes. Right. Yep.
3: Yes, that is yep. the easy way to say it. Yes. <laughs> you do it very well. Yeah, <laughs> well thank yeah. you. I think yes. that a lot of people at this company make it easy to do that well because mm. they value I it. I agree, yeah. I
0: agree.
1: And the boring stuff is often very important. I was just talking to a friend about yesterday, her passion for data analytics, and I was like, she was like 10 years ago you couldn't have convinced me that I would ever care about that but yeah. it's important you know yeah
3: unfortunately my passion project right now is creating a filing system there you go so uh, <laughs> that, that is unfortunately <laughs> one of my favorite things to do right. so. I think the listeners right.
2: want to hear about the filing yeah, <laughs> yeah can we get into <laughs> that one <laughs> yeah. well
0: we'll have to have you back on to, to update when it's system.
1: complete exactly exactly the <laughs> own podcast yeah. right it's a filing exactly I okay. <laughs> can't wait for that episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and I, I know so one of the things that we wanted to do with you know each of our guests was like uh since we're here with Thomas today mm-hmm. um <laughs> this is his favorite part he's not uh you know we we wanted to we not every organization has the chance to interface so regularly with the CEO it's it's very cool to kind of like you know get kind of like the top down views and Thomas is a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we wanted to give everybody an opportunity to just kind of like, ha- kind of use that moment to maybe ask a question that you might have about the organization or Thomas or, you know, anything at all that, like, you know, um, that you're interested in or curious about or anything like that.
3: <laughs> all right.
1: No
2: boundaries. No yeah. boundaries. <laughs> no
3: boundaries. Well, you already told me you're an Aquarius. That was my first question. Do you know your moon and rising?
2: Uh, I do not. Bad moon and rising. Bad moon rising. Got it. Bad
3: moon <laughs> <have no> rising. <laughs> <laughs> huh, well, then there goes my second question. Right. Um, yeah. What part of in Tampa that. do you live in? Mm.
2: Uh, I now live up in uh, Odessa. Uh, but I would say hmm. that it's been a journey through Tampa and looking at different parts of it. Um you know, some of where you live is about what you value. Uh, I lived in big cities for a while and have been through that part of the process. What I value most in life is peace and quiet now. Uh, one of the nice things about my job is it puts me in front of a lot of different folks and around a lot of different people. But as an introvert, that has, it, it extracts a, a toll. And I need a place to regenerate. And so being out up, kind of the expressway, so to speak, Yeah. <laughs> uh, allows me to kind of be in a place where I feel much more relaxed.
3: I'm also mm-hmm. an introvert. I Same. didn't know you were an introvert.
2: <laughs> yeah, significant.
3: In it sounds exhausting yeah. to be a CEO and an introvert. It can
2: be. I think, you know, uh, part of what you've talked about in your own journey is is uh, learned behaviors, adaptive behaviors, things mm. that you write. Yeah. Um, and I think like most people, you know, particularly because I've been doing this for a while, I have figured out how to manage what I can and can't do, what I'm good at, uh, endure some things, Yeah, uh, enjoy some things.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely resonate with some of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank
0: you so much for joining us of today, course. Happy to and be
2: thanks here. for your great work here. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're
0: yes,
3: welcome. We thank you, you guys. for yeah. are very
2: and most importantly, important thank you for who you are. You know, JC and I talk about this a lot, and I love the word. Uh, we're a kaleidoscope here, mm-hmm. uh, and I often for think sure. of that image of uh, like when we were kids and you had the little thing that you twisted it, <laughs> and all the different <laughs> colors and shapes would come up. That's what I love about the organization is. Uh, we have a wrench for every nut mm-hmm. uh, And we're happy to be in that place That everybody can walk in here And feel as if they are Welcomed, loved Met where they are Cared for as they are mm-hmm. yeah. Respected for who they
3: are Yeah uh, And
2: enjoyed thing. for who they are
3: mm-hmm. Yeah It's a special mm-hmm. place
1: At Jabil, they strive to make anything possible and everything better. From combining unmatched breadth and depth of end market experience, technical and design capabilities, to manufacturing know-how, supply chain insights, and global product management expertise to enable success for the world's leading brands, Jabil is driven by a common purpose – to make a positive impact for each other, our communities, and the environment. Table prides itself on being a purpose-driven organization by empowering their employees to get involved with local charitable organizations to create volunteer opportunities for others to give back and drive positive change.
0: So I'm really excited, Thomas. The next guest of the podcast mm-hmm. has quite a history and he's a real treasure really to all of us. Yeah. Um, and that is Jack. Jack.
2: Mm-hmm. Just Jack. Just Jack.
0: Just Jack. Jack. <laughs> Just Jack. So I want to start out with,
5: why just Jack?
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Well, back in the day, uh, being gay wasn't a very uh, easy thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be a lifer in the military. So when I was going off base, I used different names. Jack was a name I could respond to because I had played three different parts in drama mm-hmm. and Coincidentally, all three characters were named
2: Jack, mm. so I could respond to it. So Jack isn't your first name either, originally.
1: Correct. Wow. 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 There is a piece of information Didn't I, I did know not that. know. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead, <laughs> okay. please. Okay.
5: Yeah. Um, so went through that. Then I got out of the service, and uh, it was okay to use my last name at the time, so I used Jack in that name and. Then my ex and I got a house. So I had this name on this paperwork, that name on that paperwork, that on that. I said, let's just do this and make it legal. And I went, got this book called uh, Changing Your Name in California.
2: There's a book called Changing Your <laughs> Name in California. Yes. All right. Yeah. And, <laughs> chap- and this would have been what year, roughly?
5: Uh, 70 <laughs> something.
4: Okay. Mm-hmm. okay.
5: And uh, Chapter 8, I remember that, <laughs> was about single names, mm. because Cher had just set the legal precedent for a single name.
1: Wow.
5: Legally.
2: So there's you and Cher in the state of California. <laughs> and Prince. And Prince. Yes, right.
5: Prince, who
0: was a symbol as well That's at one true. point. He set the precedent for that.
5: And a bunch of them, so uh, that was... The long and short of it. Mm-hmm. That's why, well, growing up in a small town, having an unusual name
4: mm-hmm.
5: is not a pleasant thing. Mm-hmm. It's bad enough, kind of knowing somewhere back here that I was gay, mm-hmm. but also having a weird name that people made fun of all the time.
2: Yeah. Can we talk about that just as, a bit more? Because I think it's important for us. So you know who we are and our identity here as an organization, but maybe more importantly for us as human beings. Your own journey of being gay and making your way through a time frame, as you said, in both an institution that you were a part of the military as well as a country that struggled with this issue. Where are you today uh, in your own journey with uh, your identity, but your identity in such a way that you feel safe and comfortable and accepted and... Uh, For
5: the most part, but I don't go out either.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. But has it been an evolution or was there a revolution? Mm.
5: It's definitely been an evolution. Uh, I remember going on speaking engagements uh, when I first came out. I was involved with the Gay Center in L.A., which was a very – probably the biggest – a driver mm-hmm. in those years mm-hmm. <laughs> there in New York um, but uh, i go to speaking engagements like at Pepperdine University where well, there's f- 4,000 people in the audience
4: mm.
5: I didn't cry back then <laughs>
4: <laughs>
5: uh, but uh, talking about uh, what it was to be gay back then and all that I remember one time leaving a radio station in there's pop And I look up And there's a hole in the roof of the car And say Step on it Jeff We've just been shot at
2: Wow <laughs> Wow Wow Do you consider yourself Brave in this process? No hmm.
5: What choice did I have?
2: Yeah hmm. Wow uh, Well we probably should End the interview In the entire podcast Like right
4: <laughs>
5: Just, just yeah.
2: drop the mic Power statements Man
5: It uh, I didn't feel I had a choice Yeah Right um, how, how can you? Well, I know people have. So obviously, some people do uh, live their lives in the closet. Right. I could not do that.
2: Yeah, well, we're glad you didn't. Yeah, we are. Yeah,
5: we are. And that you spoke up for
0: others as well. Mm-hmm.
5: That is something I'm proud of. Yeah. yeah.
1: Rightly so. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so we've talked about. I first of all, I know from a feeding Tampa based standpoint you are the favorite to sit down and have a a chat with tell stories (laughs) and as you and I were preparing for the podcast um, for you a lot what has created you is your travel and that's what excites you and has made you who you are do you have a favorite travel destination or something that really has touched you over the years that you thought was
5: life-changing um there's twofold on that A, I don't have favorites anymore hmm. I have too many things that were favorites at one time
4: yeah.
5: uh, that I can't point to any one thing and say this is a favorite anymore Um but something that really stuck in my mind uh, was in the Philippines um I was on, a, on board a ship, and that was where we went. We'd go from there to Vietnam, and Vietnam back to the Philippines to reload. It was an ammo ship. Mm. And uh, this one time, believe it or not, at one time I was in the born-again movement, mm. and my, my best friend Perry and I, we were going to witness to everybody on the ship how serious we were. We were both gonna be baptized again and there were missionaries at the uh, Suvik Bay Servicemen Center and they said, "Oh, sure, we'll do it and they got us and about 20 or 30 other guys, sailors into their little truck and we went off into the mountains up these deep and winding roads and they didn't tell well, us where we are going or anything, they just said, oh yeah we know a place and we get there and there's this creek a little deeper than a creek but and I said, we're going to do it here. And they actually dunked us and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, afterwards, there's this tribe that they said were, we were being guests of. It was only later I found out that they were former cannibals and headhunters. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they were showing us around the, the site. And the chief had his enemy's ears into to his walls. Wow. And they all wow. still had their teeth filed. Wow. It was.
0: Wow. <laughs> and they're all their teeth filed pointy, right? Is that, oh my gosh.
5: Mm-hmm. So it was uh, a very interesting experience. And then they set us down to dinner and say the guests uh, have the best food and they dig up the pit. You know, it was like a Hawaiian luau, in mm-hmm. that effect. And there in the bottom of the pit is a dog.
1: Oh, wow!
4: <laughs>
2: and I look at
5: Perry and I say, so Are we gonna eat this? You know? <laughs> but they're cannibals, we have to,
1: right? Eat it, something about, it's it's the something dog, about the file. Is it dog or you? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, uh,
5: we ate the dog and actually loved eating the dog, yeah. she was delicious.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you wow. never would have known
0: cultural differences, right. right. Need to respect them, and mm-hmm. I'm glad you came out safely
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> with yeah. a story to tell. And
1: all your, you know, you got both your ears still. <laughs> yes.
5: Oh, it, it was a little sweaty there for a while. We said, <laughs> yeah, they say these guys have been uh, Christians for 10 years, but what happens if they decide revert right now? <laughs> right, right. Good thing
0: you had your faith at the time to for the whole experience in that window of your lifetime.
2: Right.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: So, Jack, um, you're our longest tenured colleague here. You're here uh, going on 23 years, right? Your next anniversary will be 23 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, how'd you make your way to the food bank? How did you end up coming into this world and this work?
5: When I lived in San Francisco before here, uh, I worked at the VA as a volunteer for six years. I ran their supply room, the process stores. Oh, ah, okay. Just just the pens and pencil staplers forms, stuff like that, um, as a volunteer. So when I got here, I tried that at the VA. They said, no, the only thing you can do is push patients to and from their appointments and stuff. No. I said, um, excuse me, AIDS, not mm-hmm. supposed to be around seriously sick people a lot, mm-hmm. and they said, oh, guess that wouldn't be a good idea for you. I said, no, I thought I could work in some department where you haven't been able to bring in a FTE. No, we don't do that here. I said, oh. So I looked around and found TAN at the time, TAN AIDS, or Tampa AIDS Network. And I was there for about a year. And it changed, I changed, and it was time to move on. And TAN used to come... To us. At the time, we were Divine Providence Food Bank.
2: One of our four names, yeah.
5: (laughs) And uh, I said, Well, let me go see if they need help. And went down and started working at Divine Providence in the sorting room and trying to explain to them why I was there. And they said, Don't you need a signature or something? I said, For what? They say, well, is this your probation or something like that? They said, no, I'm just volunteering. <laughs> Nobody just volunteers.
4: <laughs>
5: mm. Wow. So back then, everybody in the sorting room was paid, paid staff. Wow. And I was one of two volunteers. Um, and we had to put out 10 pallets a day, which was a lot back then. (laughs) Now you have to do that in about an hour, right? (laughs) Uh, And Divine Providence, uh, they got some kind of uh, money. And Cheryl says, hey, we got some money. You want to work for us?
2: And I said, Cheryl was the executive director at the time? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm.
5: And I said, I don't know if I can. I was on disability. And South security said I could So I did And then Divine Providence Became America's Second Harvest Of Tampa Bay and Then we became uh, Feeding America Tampa Bay and then we became Feeding Tampa Bay mm-hmm. And there's almost been a change of directors With each name change mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Yeah on. one of my favorite stories My Jack origin story oh <laughs> <laughs> I'm here on my first day, literally, and I'm walking around meeting folks, and Jack, at the time, you were the receptionist up front here, folks, saw you when we first came in. You remember we had the whole front entrance was different, Mm -hmm. and so I was trying to get around and talk to everybody, and I think maybe when I got here, we had about 40 employees. Maybe that's about right. A little less. Maybe a little less, and uh, got over to see Jack and said, hi, Jack, how are you? My name's Thomas, you know, and I said, "Uh, Jack, how how are things going? How are you doing? He goes, well, we had a nice party for Pat who was my predecessor. And I said, oh, that's nice. Mm. there's a pause, and Jack said, well, I think we're making progress. <laughs> and I said, well, how's that, Jack? And he goes, well, we had a party for Pat. The executive director before that, somebody from the board took them out to lunch, and they never came back. <laughs> the executive director before that, the police came and took out, and they never came back. Wow. So I feel like we're moving along. So now I understood what would be my standard. <laughs> right? <laughs> When I leave Beating Tampa Bay <laughs> If they have a party I'll know right. <laughs> Still my favorite Food bank story
5: Well about that same Time I guess it was Your first week here uh, History history mm-hmm. He he was Talking to everybody and In those days That didn't take long As I said It was mm-hmm. about 30 40 people And We had been through it. We had really been through it, not only financially, but as far as people coming in, being replaced and this and that and this and that. And I looked at him and I said, if you're fooling around, Mm. just doing this because, and then leave us, I will hunt you down and kill you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He did share that.
5: (laughs) And he looked at me like...
2: Who's this? Well, you know, (laughs) know, you're always a little concerned about a person who just has one
1: name. Yes, that's true. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah.
5: But uh, he has stayed the distance. He has.
2: So, Jack, you've had a variety of roles here at the food bank over the years. Any memorable times, moments, things that stick out to you to say, you know— uh, you're our kind of our historian now. Uh, <laughs> we had Mike Solomon, who was one of the founders at our 35th anniversary. We had him come speak. We had three people that founded us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike's the only one with us, but we had him come in and talk about that. But the 23 years you've been here, any highlights that you think about? Any things that come to mind?
5: Oh, heck, Thomas, it's uh...
2: hard to pin it all into one one answer?
5: Yeah, there, there were so many times when, when I'd get up and say, well, is, are the doors going to be chained shut when I get there? And, right. and you went through some of that too, oh, even yeah, your we, first few years. Yeah, we did. Uh, sweated blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we didn't find out about it until later. He kept you very under the table. Mm-hmm. And everything's fine. <laughs> 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 but... uh, uh the changes, the growth... Uh, I know Pat, your predecessor, uh, mm-hmm. started started us growing. She, yeah, she did a nice job. She spread us out yeah. uh, mm-hmm. into uh, uh, Pinellas. Uh, we had a, uh, a warehouse there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also had the one up in Suncoast yeah. that mm-hmm. we ended up owning.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, they gave it to us, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Thomas Canyon says, oh my God, we're hammering money, you know, we've gotta do something. <laughs> and did it and did it well. Uh, we, we were then put on a track that I think ultimately was the best you could possibly done, given what you had. Um, I'm just amazed that you did stick to it <laughs> and make it the fabulous place it is today. And not saying that to, uh, you know, to the little thing, but <laughs> truly.
2: Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So we had under 40, and now what do we have? Just employees. 175, 180?
2: 175,
0: 180. And we went from two vol- volunteers to a database of 50,000 volunteers <laughs> that made us <laughs> or had, helped us And we share. had one truck. Wow. (laughs) And And we have 65 65 trucks now and 95 million meals.
5: Mm -hmm. And the thing is, we still have the same 10 counties. Yes.
1: Yeah.
5: yeah. Uh, It's just, I don't think people are hungrier. Mm -hmm. I think they were just hungry back then. We're just doing it better now.
4: Right.
5: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Reclaiming more of the food that would have gone to waste. Yeah. Um, And actually getting people to help a little by buying food for us, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which back then hardly ever happened, unless we saw, uh, we don't have any produce, anybody got any spare money,
4: (laughs) you know, (laughs) and the
5: staff would go out and buy a couple of boxes of oranges or something like that.
2: Yeah, I often think that uh, one of the things I'm aware of having been around the Food Bank Network for close to 15 years now is that there are some heroes out there that no one will ever know their name that have done things, the extraordinary, the difficult things. You know, We often look at the work we do today and say, well, it's big, it's fast, it's difficult. But, but I think even going back to your own personal origin story, you said a few moments ago about your decision to share who you were, that there wasn't a choice. I think the people that stood in the early days of food banking, and you would be considered in many ways in the early days of food banking, people that stood in that when it was at its toughest, in my mind. Uh, those are the true heroes of this movement that's become what it is today.
5: I've got one story from the hurricane years back in 0405 when mm-hmm. we had four or five of them crossing mm-hmm. the state. Mm-hmm. We had an agency uh, up in the, what they called then the rurals <laughs> mm-hmm. up around Citrus County and stuff like that. Uh, her name was Hattie, Hattie Hall Ministries. And she's a little old lady. Oh, like me now, uh, and she came up in her van to the front, and she was just quivering with indignation. And we said, Hattie, are you okay? And she says, I have seen your drinking ditch water. Wow. Oh. And we loaded her up with water, and told her to come back as often as she could, and mm-hmm. we'd fill her up again. Mm-hmm. We had lots of people just like her mm-hmm. during those days.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think the thing that I noticed when I came here, and it was somewhat the f- same way at the food bank I was at before, but I guess because it was just a different experience, I think. You know, I think about people like her, Miss Bonnie, and others, that uh, their courage in um, uh, adversity and their willingness to sacrifice personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, To make sure that another human being is okay. Um, You know, people often will ask me, you know, how do you do what you do? I think I'm not doing nearly what someone like Hattie or Miss Bonnie has done. Uh, They have done truly the most difficult thing, which is to enter into a moment with another person who is at their absolute lowest Mm. Mm -hmm. and most difficult time and said, I'm going to enter into that journey with you and I'm going to come alongside you until you can. Go off mm. on your own. Mm. Uh, I think there's a bravery there we'll never understand. Yeah.
5: Well, as you said, there's some things you just can't not do. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know we're uh, we're coming up towards the end of the of our time with Jack, and I, I wanted to give you an opportunity. We one of the things we're doing uh, with each of our guests today. You and Thomas know each other pretty well, but we wanted to give everyone a chance to uh, just, you know, ask any question that comes to mind. You know, it's not often you get to kind of like chat with, you know, the the head of an organization. Um, and if there's any like any kind of question, all that you have about the organization, or you know, Thomas personally, or anything like that, maybe you know about our future. What kind of what kind of curiosities might you have? <laughs>
5: But when I was still over here at the warehouse, I was right next to his door. If I had a question, I'd stick to the door and
1: ask <laughs> and this him. This is a daily occurrence for you.
5: <laughs> and say, hey, so-and-so's out in the lobby. You really need to talk to him. He says, I'm busy, Jack. I said, no, you really need to
4: talk to these people.
5: <laughs> and one of them, thank God he did, uh, they died in a week oh, or two after that. Wow. Aww. Um,
2: Are you talking about Ralph?
5: Oh, him too mm-hmm. but no no the couple the Binghams yes mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I guess the one thing I'd want to ask you and just more out of curiosity, I guess when you came to us, I know you had a plan you plopped it down on the desk mm-hmm. and it was the same thing you took to the board about why they should hire you I guess. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh,
5: sitting here today, did your vision come true? Is it far greater or about what you expected? Or?
2: You know, I get that question asked of me a lot. I think the good news about substantive change is it happens incrementally. We have had, as you know, because you've been here through all of it, we've had moments where we have risen dramatically. And the good news is we've not fallen backwards. We have we've reached a level and stayed there and then reached another level. But But most change is incremental, so you're comfortable with it as you go along. Right, so if you had told, if you and I had sat down together the first time we ever had a conversation and said well, we'd like to get to ninety-five million meals, you and I would have died laughing. <laughs> <laughs>
5: we don't have that many people, huh?
2: <laughs> but here we are. Right. Uh, so I think, uh, and I, I don't look back much. It's just not my nature to do that. I just, uh, I just keep pushing forward. And I think, so I do think about this question because I, I, I do get it, I do get it asked frequently. I think. There's a saying I love, that change happens where grace and effort meet. What I feel really good about is, is myself and everybody that's been along for this ride has really worked hard, but I think we've also had some grace. Mm-hmm. Along the way, we've gotten breaks here and there. You've witnessed some of them, that moments happened, that people came into our world that offered us a pathway forward that we didn't know existed. So are we further along or behind where I thought we'd be? I never thought this far. It didn't occur to me. I think, as I've shared before, I wrote down three goals when I got to feeding Tampa Bay. I wanted a million dollars, excuse me, ten million dollars a year in revenue, annual revenue. At the time I got here, we were under three million a year. I wanted a million dollars in the bank uh, because I thought that would give us some stability.
5: And we were in the red most of the year. oh at that boy, time. We were,
2: it, red, would, red would have been nice. <laughs> Burgundy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think people don't you know people don't remember the days where we didn't know if we'd make payroll. Mm. right? Kathy mm-hmm. Wetzel and I, you know, shifting money around to try and mm. keep people paid. Um, and the last thing I thought was important was a paid and owned for facility. You know, I wrote that on my grease board when I got here in 2012, and I've been able to put check marks next to two of them. Pretty soon, I'll be able to put check marks next to three of them. But those, to me, were the things that I felt like, if we accomplished those, the future of the food bank would never be in jeopardy. And I think, Jack, to me, that's always been the most important thing, because as you said, when I got here and we started doing this work together, you and I, the food bank was in peril. We didn't know if it would exist. And as you said, it it had a long history. Of not knowing it would exist. And given the importance of what you shared about Hattie or anyone else, uh, the person who is in need of a meal, uh, friendship, service, support, uh, we can't not be here. You know, maybe if there's a theme of this interview with you, you can't not do it. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, and, and let me finish our time together by saying this I love you and I love working with you, and I'm proud to be doing this with you and alongside you
4: thank
0: you i think that speaks for all of us you Mm -hmm. are a treasure and thank you for very originally nervously coming to sit with us at the table (laughs) i'm so happy our listeners get to meet just a little bit of you because we're very fortunate to have you thank you thanks jack
1: everyone deserves an opportunity to make memories around the table with friends and family but the reality is that so many people have to go without This season, you can play a pivotal part in giving the gift of cheer and good health by donating food to schoolchildren, families, and seniors throughout the community. Your contribution will truly be savored. Go to feedingtampabay.org slash feedtheseason to give the gift of nutrition for the holidays. That's feedingtampabay.org slash feedtheseason.
0: Awesome. Next up in the hot seat, somebody who I really enjoy working with. Mm -hmm. Um, We do a lot of stories together when it comes to our food pantries. RJ, welcome to stick a fork in it.
6: Thank you. Thank you. This is
0: a really joyful time for you. Can you share with us what's maybe going in your life or just happened
6: um, recently? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, last or two Mondays ago, on the 21st, I actually uh, got married up in St. Augustine. Oh. Oh,
0: so and congrats. how long have you guys been together?
6: Um, for about four years now.
0: Okay, okay. And then what is her work?
6: Uh, so she works as a medical assistant up in Jacksonville, but now that she's moved down here to Tampa, uh, she's clearly uh, looking mm. for a new job. Long gotcha. commute to Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: gotcha. So tell us a little
6: bit about you. What? Where are you from? How did you end up here at Feeding Tampa Bay? Sure, sure. So I actually grew up in uh, Marietta, Georgia, which is like... 20 minutes north of Atlanta, um, and spent most of my developing years there up until after college. And then after that, was looking to be a little bit more involved in community after college. So I decided to go to Jacksonville for a cent, which I actually, that's where I met um, my now wife. Uh, and what's her name? Audrey. <laughs> Audrey. <laughs> yeah. Thank Beautiful you. name, Audrey. Uh-huh. Um, so that's where I actually met Audrey, but we, we knew each other for a while. Our parents actually knew each other back in New York 20-ish years ago. Oh, so wow. when I went there, it was just... Um, Serendipity.
2: Well, what what did you go to school for? What was your major in college? I
6: actually studied exercise science.
2: Wow, so a lot different than. What uh, were you? What what, (laughs) was that uh, convenient? Was that uh, a passion? What what caused you to study that? Yeah,
6: it it was actually a a funny story. So I never did well in school, um, elementary through high school. It wasn't until senior in high school when I took anatomy and physiology. It was the only subject I really did mediocre in. Um, (laughs) It was easy for me to memorize. The things that they were asking, bones and muscles. Uh, So I thought that was a sign. So I took that and tried to find any kind of study that focused on health and, you know, health education, anything like that. And exercise science was the closest thing in my nearby college. Hmm. Did you anticipate um, I'm thinking uh, working at gyms, uh, gym teachers in schools.
2: Did you anticipate any of that? Was yeah. That?
6: Yeah. So when I first started, I, you know, we learned physical therapy and occupational okay. therapy was your first target. Uh, so everyone in the first year of exercise science, they asked, you know, in the class, I remember the first day, who here wants to be a physical therapist? 75% of that. Room, raise their hand. Everyone wanted to go. And the funny thing, they actually did it again our fourth year, ten percent. Wow.
4: <laughs> a couple of people okay. they realized
6: the um, you know what it it costed mm. to become a physical therapist, occupational therapist. So um, for a while, I, I tried different realms and found myself as a, a personal trainer. So I was working as a trainer when I first started and did it for about ten years. Mm.
2: Oh, really? You did it that long? Yeah. Did you do that uh, with your own client base, or did you work out
6: with, uh, out of a shop? Both, both. So started at an employee fitness center in. Collins. And then um, as I left, I worked at here in Tampa at uh, more private clients. I worked in public gyms over at the JCC, over at Tampa General Hospital. Um, so a little mixture of employees, public and private. Yeah. So
2: next question would be, how in the heck did you end up at Feeding Tampa Bay?
0: Right. Back? Hunger relief in general. Now how did we're that,
6: really dying to know the answer to that I question. kind of see the
0: help, hunger yeah. relief. Yeah. But how did you make that
6: shift? Find it. So um, after after college, you know, I, I wanted to be a little bit more involved in the community than I was in my four years. So attending AmeriCorps was that next option. One of my uh, mentors told me about it. She said, you know, she's been in career for a while, so it's a little too late for her. But if she could go back and do something different, that's what she would have done. Mm. Um, so that convinced me to, moved to Jacksonville, stay there for a year. So I worked in McClenney at the health department there. That's not Jacksonville. (laughs) Jacksonville. I lived in Jacksonville, but traveled to McClenney. West. Um, Very out there, very out there in Baker County. Um, And I was a health educator for the high school there, Baker County High School, and did um, drug prevention education, met with students one-on-one. And this, in my head, was, you know, I did the... I did the employee workforce uh, development, health promotion activities. Let me see the community health side of things. And that was like how I kind of felt to be more involved and see which direction I want to go. And I absolutely loved it. With the AmeriCorps project, I was there. And not only did we do the service at the health department, but I had to work with a cohort of 26 of us to be more involved in Jacksonville um, community projects. So community gardens, uh, Martin Luther King service days, uh, special Olympics and things like that. and. I just felt so much more passionate and felt a lot more invested in community health work than I did in employee health work at the moment. Um, so when I came down here, you know, I, I wanted to do that, but navigating a new land, is it's always the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I actually was going to coffee shops and try to find places to stay more involved. Um, and I remember telling you this story in my first interview, but my first week or second week uh, at Buddy Brew Coffee Shop, which is great, Mm -hmm. um, I saw somebody standing in line with an AmeriCorps pin, which very familiar with that pin. And I I wanted to... Tell myself, okay, don't be weird. Just go up and say hi.
4: <laughs>
6: like, and that's that's very difficult for me to, to go up to somebody strange, cold, and ask them. But I mustered up the courage twenty minutes after doing a little self talk in the little counter um, <laughs> to find out that you know she I, I believe was an AmeriCorps member, but she now uh, was an employee at. Feeding Tampa Bay and her name was Vanessa. Okay, yeah. (laughs) And I asked her about it, like, hey, I I see your pin. What do you do? Is there anything I can do to be involved or just volunteer? And she told us about a special um, volunteer role at the time for health educators. So working with um, a, uh, a woman... And the name's escaping my mind, but she was a health educator here for a while for mm-hmm. programs. Mm-hmm. So she introduced us. I had a meeting, and that's when Feeding Tampa Bay was put on the on my purview when I first moved to Tampa.
2: Yeah. So Vanessa was our first ever Vista we hired, mm-hmm. right? So wow. we had she was a class of five, uh, as I recall, and she was the first one we hired uh, from that. And mm-hmm. it's been an enormously successful mm-hmm. opportunity for us to. To gather, you know, uh, colleagues that that uh, I think the interesting uh, part to me is that folks have come into this work younger and younger, <clears throat> you know, with a sense of, hey, I have a better idea that I want to be involved in the community in a different way. You know, you've, you've shared that twice now saying, you know, I I had this sense that I wanted to participate in the community more meaningfully. Maybe describe your job here a little bit and how that allows you to be involved in the community, like how you're able to to live into kind of what you, uh, you feel strongly about. Sure.
6: Um, so here at Feeding Tampa Bay, I'm the community programs coordinator for the child hunger team. Uh, so in that role, I work with some coworkers and colleagues, and we work with school champions in the area that are in middle schools, elementary schools, high schools, colleges, community centers to help them develop their food pantries in their area to serve whoever they typically serve. So for, for you know school champions in a middle school, they're serving the, the children and the families, and the whole idea of it is for the convenience of it. We limit time, money, and, and distance traveled for these parents to access food, uh, Um, to support their families instead of having to travel somewhere else. So I know it sounds like a dumb question, but what do you think about
2: all that now? What do you think about your work? How do you, you know, if you were to go home to Audrey, what would you say
6: to her, you know, about what you're doing and what you're experiencing? I I think I get a lot more out of it than the people I serve. Mm. I think being involved in this kind of work and, being able to see the impact it has and and the reach that it can have, it's so much more different than doing a one-on-one training with somebody or doing education with counseling. The reach is something that I couldn't even fathom in any other job. And it's something that I think I'm really proud of, but also very nervous about all the time Mm -hmm. because I don't want to mess it up. Yeah. I
2: think you always, one of the one of the things that's important to all of us, I think, is we have a sense of obligation and responsibility, yeah. right? I think uh, I used to say to one of my board chairs, uh, she would say, "How you doing?" And I said, "There's not a day that goes by I'm not enormously excited nor scared to death." <laughs> <laughs> and I think what you learn over time is you just hold both equally, right? right. Yeah, you know, they're both going to be there. You just understand that they're going to be present. I, I, this just this question comes to mind, and so I'll ask it of you. I don't. Oftentimes, one of us are or we're close to one of our parents than the others. But have you had a conversation with your parents about your career now and uh, had the chance? Is that something you would have done? And if you have, what was that conversation like?
6: That's a great question. Um, I think... Any parent is probably most concerned about the well-being of their child and making sure they're getting a job that um, one makes sense for them, but two is going to provide for them yeah. and their family. Right.
2: So when they found out that you went to nonprofit, uh, like dude, you went <laughs> to what college.
6: What do you mean? <laughs> he has a private clientele.
0: You and know, they don't pay anything, they took the right. Dime. right.
6: Right. So there was there was that little hesitation at the time too. When I, I took this job, there was an offer um, with another that had you know different compensation, obviously. So it was something that they always knew, I, I always followed, you know, what I was passionate about. So they knew their arguments weren't going to hold up for very long. <laughs> um, but I think they're proud. I think growing up in, in a place where, you know, our family followed service wherever, that knowing that I was going to be involved in this and invested, that I had their support, and I, that's a very big thing for me.
2: Yeah, I think it is. I think it, you know, I think for all of us, Uh, we want a sense that those around us that formed us and shaped us and care about us like now your wife but also your parents that they they have a sense of the importance of what you're doing as well right
1: yeah Hmm um you know one of the things that we we wanted to do with the each of the people that sat with us today was uh you know we have a captive audience with with thomas right now and uh i know as uh, you know maybe the person who knows the most about the organization you know is there anything that you would want to ask thomas either about like it could even just be about him or his role or Mm -hmm. you know anything feeding temp they related at all i mean or or not being Tampa related, um, like you said, you know, there's no holds barred here. So yeah, yeah <laughs> take yeah, yeah. advantage we now of the signs, opportunity. So it's right. open. somebody's already asked what my sign is. That's so. true. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, we got yeah. the Aquarius already.
2: And so. now,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
6: I have to be careful. You know. uh, right, yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, I think I, and I forget this, this is for the podcast, but we we do have listeners. But every Friday morning, Thomas sends these Friday updates to all staff. And I guess my, how do you do it? Mm. Like they are so <laughs> thought provoking and they can be their own narrative and be created their own book. I'm like, he's <laughs> like, I tried to look up a blog that maybe he was pulling it from every day. <laughs> <laughs> you, like Other than just like, you know, maybe writing it ahead of time, mm. but it seems like you write it like Friday morning and sometimes mm. they show up like six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, He's already how done for do you... two hours at that point. <laughs> yeah. So much knowledge and wisdom and it's well, so creative. Thank you. Uh, Uh, You know, first I would say,
2: uh, some people love numbers, I love words, right? So I'm a huge fan of uh, songs, lyrics, uh, books, and and well-written, I love words, I just always have. Uh, And probably have always wanted to be a closet writer, Mm -hmm. right? You know, always wanted to uh, emulate the authors that I loved and cared about or, you know, songwriters that I thought were just incredible, the turn of phrase or things that they would say. Uh, So that's always been there. I think you have to have a sense of that. Sometimes I have an idea about what I want to write, but most often I don't because I tend to write inspirationally. Sometimes I think you ought to to jot down 25 ideas Mm -hmm. and at least keep them in a book somewhere, and when it's time, Hmm. pull it out. But I often find that um, what I am thinking about or feeling or sensing is something I need to honor. So there's that moment, there's that time where if I had 25 things scripted out, I don't know that it would have the same sense to it. Right. Uh, so I do think it's important for me uh, to you know, construct it in that way. Um, you know, Sometimes I would also say it's interesting as you think about what you're good at or not good at. Uh, in, in the world that I exist, because I speak a lot, I heard this years and years ago and I hold true to it, there's the talk you plan to give. The talk you gave and the talk you wish you'd given. (laughs) And you go through all three. I feel that way sometimes about my writing, but I would say I am most often satisfied when I feel like I communicated what I want well. It doesn't mean it always hit the mark. But I'm I'm aware when I get it right that okay, this this is what I was trying to articulate. What the message I was trying to get across, and sometimes they fall together beautifully, and sometimes they feel a little bit more you know mushed together. Uh, But it's something I like doing. I really, really enjoy the form. I thank you for saying that it's something you enjoy. Um, I'm always hopeful that that's the case.
6: I they're amazing, and sometimes I'll even forward it to my dad or some other coworkers (laughs) because it's like this like this needs to be on the news so people can understand. Right. Right. Even the one that you sent a couple weeks ago, it was like the ten things. That you've learned yeah mm. so you know so here's a here's a breaking news item I'm <laughs> gonna do something
2: with that huh. uh, so for the listener uh, at 10 years I wrote down 10 things that I learned Uh, Probably a little bit about life and a little bit about work. Um, But I think I want to do something with that. So I pulled it into a document and Mm -hmm. I've started to fool around with it a little bit. You always wonder do I have something to say that's worth hearing? Mm -hmm. And, you know, every writer probably thinks that, but I really enjoyed making my way through that list.
6: You have something for sure (laughs) worth sharing. (laughs) And I I even printed it out. It's in my cubicle just to remind me because it was just like, you know, you can't, you. you have to buy that knowledge for other people. But yeah. here we get it for free every Friday. That's true. That's yeah. very and it's true. something that I, I'm very grateful thank to be you. here for. That's nice <laughs> you to yeah. say thank you. We do. <laughs>
0: what a great question. That's like the, the all-star question. Well, thank you for joining us around the table. Absolutely. Um, I you. want to give you crazy props. Um, your supervisor was out on maternity leave, and you were left in charge of a lot of things mm-hmm. that you did flawlessly. <laughs> so thank you so much for your commitment to our work and caring, really really fortunate to have you part of the team
2: and best wishes to you and audrey mm-hmm.
0: yes it's my very excited guys. for you at this point in your life
1: <laughs> thank you very much you can learn more about feeding tampa bay and how to join the movement at feeding you can also follow us on facebook instagram twitter linkedin youtube and tiktok at feeding tampa bay